need a militant faith in this lukewarm generation. We don't need to be part of the Laodicean age, although we're in the Laodicean age in some respects. That lukewarm place where many Christians just want a respectable Sunday morning faith, uh, but they don't want a faith that turns the world upside down. Amen. And if ever anything needed turned upside down, it's this world of darkness, sin, and wickedness. Amen. And we're not here to be, you know, holy, holy Joes, as in, you know, as my, my, my wee girl says, fun suckers. You know, we're not here to, uh, you know, just be doom and gloom and, you know, you, 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 you can't wear your shirts that uh, short. Skirts that short. Try saying that fast. <laughs> you can't, you know, and you, you're not allowed to put makeup on unless you're a man, of course. Although in this present world, amen. But the, the, that's the problem, isn't it? That the, the, we, we have shifting standards of morality. We're not here to be moral crusaders, but we are here to be godly people. Amen. So let's turn to Isaiah 51, which I think we looked at this last week. And I would say in a different context, but it's not really because we looked at last week about um, destroying fear and not being, not succumbing to fear. And although that, there's so much of that in this chapter, uh, I want to look at it from a different angle, if you like, and really just to say uh, the first couple of verses, hearken to me or listen to me. Listen intently to me, you that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Now that applies to you because you're here today. You could be doing anything on a Sunday morning. Uh, you could be being Q, you could be lying in your bed, you could be having a barbecue. Maybe not this early, but there's so much you could be doing. But you're here in church because you're falling after righteousness, you're seeking God. You want that relationship with God. Uh, and, and you want to be among God's people. So this is for us. It says, look unto the rock whence ye are hewn, or look to the rock from which ye were hewn or cut, and to the hole of the pit from which ye were dug. And then he goes on to say, look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bare you. And it's really saying here in the Old Testament that if you're an Israelite, of course, Isaiah is speaking to Israelites. But one thing that we need to remember is that the book of Isaiah is not just addressing the people in his time. The book of Isaiah is probably primarily written, I would say, certainly from chapter 40 onwards, to a future generation of God's people who live in the isles or coastlands of the earth. And that's you and I. Amen. So it's almost, it's almost like a New Testament writing in that he's speaking to a future generation, our generation, uh, a new covenant church era Christian generation, I would say. And he's reminding us that Abraham's a father. And as we go over and we see that in, in the New Testament, Paul speaks about this. It's quite a theme of Paul's. In Romans and Galatians in particular, we'll get a look at that soon, that, that Paul identifies Abraham as the father of our faith. If you are a Christian... Abraham is regarded as your father, your spiritual father. And of course, if you're an Israelite, he's your, he's your natural, he's your father by race, and he's also your father by grace. So Abraham is a massive figure in the Bible 
because he has a role in uh, things that is massive because he's God's covenant partner. We'll see that in a minute. So Abraham, your father. But, but let's just leave that to one side just now because there's another aspect of this that I want to, you to consider. He says, look to the rock from which you're cut. Look to the hole of the pit which you were digged out of. And what he's really saying is, look to your origins. Look to your foundations. Look to those things that are perhaps in the distant past, and maybe for some of us it's more distant than others. But I would say, as a Christian, he would be saying, remember the former days. You know, I remember uh, the church, uh, the, the, the fellowship with people that I had, mentors, different things. He's saying that. If you, for example, were in the Foundry Boys 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, he's saying remember. And sometimes to go forward, we need to look back. Because looking back and we see the standards, we spoke about standards there, standards of holiness that we've maybe let slip. Standards of conduct. And it's not to say that we're saved by works or that we're, we should be, as I said, a religious, you know, narrow-minded people. But sometimes, you know, I look back and I look at what the faith was like, what being a Christian was like when I was first saved. And for one of the things is there were a lot more churches and a lot more Christians. And it's good to remember that because that was, when the Bible says we're salt and light, there was a lot more salt and there was a lot more light in society back then because there were a lot more Christians and a lot more churches and a lot more good preachers like me. <laughs> Amen? So, we have, we, and what he says, remember that because that's what you came from. And I believe in God says, look what you came from, look what you were cut out of, because that's still the pattern. And what we, when we talk about revival and awakening, we're talking about, yes, in a sense, going back to those days, aren't we? We're talking about going back to that, but, but beyond that. We don't just want to be blessed like we were blessed all those years ago. We want to go beyond that again. But it's a good place to start as believers. And so he's saying to these Israelite people at this time, Look to Abraham, because he's the blueprint, he's the template. He was the man of faith that you should, and that's what the New Testament says as well, you should follow his example. And we'll see that. He says, I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. And what that really means, what he's saying here is, when I called him, he was only one man, and I blessed him and made him many. Or when I blessed him, he became a great nation. What he's saying is, is that it, as it might be right now, for us Christians, there are less of us and our influence has never been so weak, perhaps. But God only needs one man. God only, or one woman. God only needs you and what he can do through you, he can multiply. Revival is just simply God multiplying what he's done in your heart and mine and making many, many more. Amen? If you get a, uh, an animal... In fact, I was watching a programme yesterday on TV... Um, about this family that lived away at this farm in Yorkshire, they had nine children or something. So they were multiplied, weren't they? Amen. So God can do it. He can do it in the natural. He can do it, or they did it in the natural, of course. I think, don't think they did a telly, but um, so, but God is a multiplier. That's the key thing. So what he's saying here is look to Abraham. So what is Abraham? 
Well, it tells us what's, what's so special about Abraham. He says, I called him and I blessed him. And we need the blessing of Abraham. That's the key thing. You know, the, the blessing of Abraham is one of the things that, that, that I am called to preach on. And, and sometimes I, I, I wonder if I preach on it enough because I certainly used to. Turn to Genesis chapter 12. And some, some people don't like when you preach about the blessing of Abraham because, you know, some Christians think that it's wrong to even talk about God blessing you. But I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed. I, I want to be a blessed Christian, not a doom and gloom Christian. So Genesis chapter 12, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. You say, well, God called him out of his father's house. What was significant about that is that back in those days, in particular, still true to a certain extent, not nearly as much, but your identity and your livelihood were family-based. In other words, people prospered because they inherited. That's the bottom line. If your father was whatever he did, and in those days it was mainly agricultural, agrarian, you know, they were farmers and, and livestock herders and so on. If your father uh, did those things, you would do them. Amen. And what's more, is everything that your father had, you would inherit. And if you were the firstborn, if there were several children, the firstborn got a double portion. That was a sort of custom, certainly in, in, in Israel. Uh, but these were customs in the culture. You prospered by receiving inheritance and then passing it on to your children. Amen? And there was always the thing that what you received by the time you passed it on, there had to be more because you grew, you, you increased. So Abraham was all set up. Um, I think he's believed his father was very wealthy. And God says, leave that system. I'm, I'll look after you. So it might sound, oh, well, okay, the Lord's sending me on a wee journey, a wee trip. That's okay. But no, the Lord was saying, leave your life behind and follow me. Amen. Just like it's like for us as Christians, you know, we don't get to, oh, well, I can still do this and I can still have that uh, as long as you go to church on a Sunday morning. No, being a Christian means you leave your old life behind. It should anyway mean that. It says, I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee. And make thy name great, which of course simply means that God says, I will bless you and make your name great. We, we think, what does that mean? It means I will make you rich and famous. Because blessing in the old covenant, and this is where some people don't like this teaching, it meant and included mostly, really truthfully, material and financial blessing. I'll make you wealthy and I'll make you famous. And that's the siren call of the culture, isn't it, we have today? that people seek riches and people seek fame. You know, and, and when you start chasing those things and pursuing them, then they become idols, then they become a curse. But when God gives you blessing, that's a different thing. Am I right? It's different when God blesses you because it comes from him. And he says, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Sorrow comes when we seek those things and we seek them at the expense of relationships and other things. Anyway, he says, you'll be a blessing. I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And that's the key. If you want to talk about uh, the blessing of God, if you want to talk about 
The purpose of blessing, in other words, well, why should I uh, get rich? Why should I be blessed financially? And the answer is not so you can just have a nice big house and nice cars. And The answer is so you can be a blessing. Because we always pray about the poor, don't we? Well, let me ask you a question. You don't need to pray. Would you need to pray about the poor if you had the money to just bless them? You see what I'm saying? He makes us wealthy so that we can be a blessing to the poor. And you see that in the early church. When all those people get saved, there was rich people get saved. And there was poor people or poorer people that got saved. And what happened in the early church was that the people who had a lot of wealth, they sold their lands because they, they, they had a lot of land. And when they got the money, they gave it to the apostles to give to the poor people in the church. Because what they, they had this heart that says, we don't want poor people in the church. We want to lift them up to a level of prosperity that they don't have to beg, they don't have to do without. That's true love, isn't it? They gave of their wealth. So anyway, so the blessing of Abraham, okay? And it says here, it says in Galatians chapter 3, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the nations through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, and these shall all nations be blessed. Now, again, I'm going to say it. When we read the word blessing, we just have this idea that to bless somebody, I'm going to send them a nice wee card. I'm going to get a faith mission, but it's not open right now, but somewhere like the Glow, and I'm going to get a nice wee scripture card, or a nice wee Helen Steiner rice card, with a nice wee poem, and I'll send them that. And maybe a wee bookmark, or maybe a wee, you know, a nice wee knitted thing. And I'll bless them with that. Amen? There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not what blessing meant in the Old Testament. Blessing meant to empower someone to prosper. So what the Bible tells us is that God's purpose for Abraham was that all the nations, and in fact, later on it's, he says to Isaac, who inherited Abraham's blessing, every family on earth would be blessed. So what that meant was this, God had a program to eliminate systemic poverty. We hear a lot about poverty, and you know some of us have experienced it, I know I have. Some of us came, I mean, this is traditionally a poor area, but you know, you look around at these houses over here, that's not what they look like 40 years ago. Am I right? Because you see, they've been lifted out of poverty. Right? And, and there are still poor, but you know, if you've got a 50-inch telly and all the, you know, and, and a, a dishwasher and all that, you're not poor. Not poor like some people in other countries. And some of you have been to those countries and seen poverty, real poverty. But what I'm trying to say is, in a general sense, God is saying that I will bless one man, this man Abraham. And through Abraham, every family and every nation on earth will be blessed. And when you consider that blessing meant material prosperity. Amen? Lifting people out of poverty, lifted, jacking up their standard of living. And we, see, we just see that in the natural because we don't have slums like we used to have here in Glasgow. You know, I, 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 someone asked me, 
yesterday, you know, or, or it came out that I was, I came from Edinburgh. I was born in Edinburgh. I were. And I was, there was laughing. She said, what, what part of Edinburgh? And I remember as a wee boy, my mum and dad wouldn't let me say, what part of Edinburgh? It was just Edinburgh. I come from Edinburgh. And if they ask you what part, just, just fudge the answer. Because they were embarrassed. Because the part of Edinburgh my father came from, my mum came from, she was more poor, she came from Bonnering. But my dad came from a place that made Gamgad look like Bear's Den. And so, and, but that's the whole thing. You go there now, it's not like it, it was back then. It's just, and that's the thing, is that, you know, mankind has, has managed. And, and the other thing about it is, as well, because poverty doesn't just mean money, it means uh, illnesses. Think of all the diseases that people, and, and the, your life expectancy now is far higher than it was 100 years ago, 50 years ago. Uh, depending, of course, where you stay. But the point is, is that the standard of living, even in the natural, has improved for many, many people. But God wants a supernatural turbo thrust on that because he wants us to be blessed. Because Abraham was blessed. Amen? And the Lord says, if you're seeking after righteousness and you're a Christian, you're seeking the Lord, you're, you're a godly person, Look unto Abraham because I blessed him, I called him, and I blessed him. And there's a purpose in Abraham's life that has to come on every one of us. And I'll show you that just now. If you turn to Galatians chapter 3, way over in the New Testament. And the part of Abraham's blessing, of course, was that anybody that cursed him would, would be cursed. So the Lord was really saying, if you, if you mess with this guy, Abraham... Or his descendants, you curse yourself. And let me just say this right now. There's a lot of people in government should bear that in mind. If they try to come against the church. Okay. Galatians chapter... Uh, now, just let me just say, the, the gospel, the good news that God preached to Abraham was that the blessing was going to come through him. The blessing is a huge part of the gospel. Abraham's blessing was conditional upon his obedience to leave his family and his country and go wherever God wanted him to go. Now, again, all the different aspects of the blessing, uh, and we might do that another time. I want to just press on with this. So Galatians chapter 3, and, and we talk about the gospel, which is what we sung about. To God be the glory, great things he has done, so loved he the world. God so loved the world that he gave his son who yielded his life an atonement for sin. So we're here today as Christians because Jesus was, his life was an atonement for sin. His blood paid the price and cleansed us of our sin. Amen? But that wasn't the only purpose. There were several purposes and they're all tied in together or we could look at it this way. You know, if you have, if I lifted up a crystal right now and turned it round you would see all these different fa facets of it wouldn't you but it's the one crystal but if you look at it in different angles you see different lights you see different you know, do you understand what i'm saying it's brighter if you turn it that way and stuff the atonement that jesus made for us had more than one 
purpose. And we're going to look at one of those purposes just now in Galatians chapter 3. So let's just read through it a wee bit because I want to show you this, okay? Verse 6, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. You know, it wasn't, well, Abraham was, uh, you know, uh, he, was, it was, he, was a, he was made righteous by what he did. He, it was made righteous by what he believed God for, in other words. Okay, you're not made righteous because you're, you love a nice, clean, good life. You help, you help old ladies across the road or give to Oxfam and all that. You're made righteous because you believe in Jesus. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But look what he says. Know you therefore that they which are of faith, which is you and I, we are of faith, we are Christians, the same are the children of Abraham. Then that verse again, the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen or the nations through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham. You know that Abraham understood the gospel. Maybe in a limited way, but he understood it. He knew that God would send his son. How did he know that? Because God asked him for his son. And he almost killed him until he was stayed by the, the, the angel. But Abraham was a covenant man. And under the terms of a covenant which Abraham knew at that time was, if a covenant partner asked you for something, they had to be prepared to give the same. That was how covenant worked. So when God said to Abraham, give me your son, Abraham knew, well, God must have a son. But he wouldn't ask me for my son if he didn't have one. So God preached the, the gospel to Abraham. And he said that even before Isaac was laid down, he says God will provide himself a lamb. Not for himself, provide himself. It says here, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. If you're of faith today, you're blessed with faithful Abraham. It doesn't matter if you, oh, I've got weak faith, I'm not, that, I'm not a strong... You don't have to be strong in faith. You just have to be of faith. And you're blessed with faithful Abraham. And that means every blessing that Abraham has is yours. And you know, one occasion, Abraham's servant said to somebody, my man, hey, God has blessed my master in all things. How would you like to be blessed in all things? Well, you are. It says here, They which be of faith, verse 9, are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many are as of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. In other words, if you live your life by the law, by being a religious person based on your good works, you're cursed because you're not perfect. And only one person ever in the history of the human race has been perfect and obeyed the law in all things. That's the Lord Jesus. So with all of us under a curse, until we come to Christ. And we'll see that. No man is justified by the law in the sight of God, for the just shall live by faith. Look what it says, verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Okay? Let me just break that down a wee bit. 
Before you became a Christian, we were all under the curse because all of us had broken the law. God's law. All of us had broken the Ten Commandments. Maybe not all of them. <laughs> Amen. Because we, we, we maybe haven't went out and mur murdered somebody. Amen. But there's a sense in which if you break one, you break all. Is that, you understand? You're a lawbreaker, whatever. There's no grades of saying, well, they're quite good. They've only broke a couple of Ten Commandments. They've broke nine or he's broke ten. It's not like that. If you break one, you break them all. Because you're just cursed anyway. Amen. So, but Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. We've looked at this before, folks. But we're looking at it today in, in terms of Abraham. Christ has redeemed us. He's bought us back from the curse of the law. How and why? Being made a curse for us. Here's the, the, the how and the why. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Jesus hung on the cruel tree of Calvary's cross. And was made a curse. Because cursed, you know, the sentence is, if you ever hang on a tree, you're cursed. So Jesus went to the cross knowing that he would become cursed. He would become a curse. He would take, and whose curse did he take? Yours and mine. And he redeemed us from the curse. He brought us back. In other words, he says, I'm going to make it so that that curse that's on your life because you're, you're a sinner, you've broke the law, you're, you're not perfect before God, I'm going to take the curse of that from you, lift it off you, and put it on me. And he didn't just do that for you. Uh, he did it for all. It wasn't just oh, a few individuals, just one or two. It was for all. Mankind's curse, Adam's curse. He took upon him. Here's the reason why. That the blessing of Abraham, which we've looked at, I will bless you, I will make you a great nation, I'll make you, your name great. All the blessings, and you can read tons of stuff about the Abrahamic blessing in the Old Covenant. Every blessing in the Old Covenant is Abraham's blessing. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the nations or the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Jesus became a curse. He didn't just, it wasn't just he took your sins. It wasn't just he took your sicknesses. It wasn't, he was made a curse. And he took it so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. The, the things that God blessed Abraham with, the Bible tells us Jesus took the curse so that those blessings would come upon us. So if you've come to Calvary, if you've received Jesus as Lord and Saviour, you switched identities in a sense. You were, you were cursed, you were the sinner, you were a dead man, dead woman, but he gave you his life. For your shame, he gave you his glory. For your death, he gave you his life. For your darkness, he gave you his light. For your curse, he gave you Abraham's blessing. And, and so many other things. For your sin, he gave you his righteousness. You're blessed in every department of life. And you know, we don't really have time to look at that. I need to close this off now. I was going to show you, but you can look for it yourself. Romans chapter 4, it tells us that God made Abraham the heir of the world. So, so whatever Abraham's duty inherit, 
you are due to inherit. And it tells you here, we'll just look, we'll finish off with this Galatians chapter 3. As you read on, it says uh, to Abraham, verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed with the promises made, he says not unto seeds as of many, but as of one to thy seed, which is Christ. In other words, we're blessed in Christ because he's Abraham's seed. Isn't he? He's the seed of Abraham. He took upon him the flesh uh, of the seed of Abraham. And then it says, as we just come to the end of the chapter, it says this, it says, in verse 20, oh, 26, you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So we're Christ, we're Christians. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And look what it says, this last verse of Galatians chapter 3. If you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If Abraham got it from God, then you are an inheritor of that. So whatever Abraham, he was made a great nation. He, his name would be great. He would be blessed. He would be prospered. He would be protected. He'd be delivered. All the blessings, go and read Deuteronomy 28. We've looked at it before. Every blessing of Abraham belongs to you and I because Jesus was made a curse that that blessing would come upon us. So, and of course, Abraham is a father of faith to those who believe. And it all ties in with what we looked at last week, which is to be free from fear. Because you cannot have faith and fear in the same place. It's oil and water. And we need to be people of faith, not people of fear. We can be full of fear, but what's going to happen is fear is the same as faith. It attracts the thing you fear. But faith attracts the thing you believe God for. Abraham, and I wish we had time uh, to look at it, but Abraham, the Bible speaks about Abraham called those things that be not as though they were. God called those things that be not as though they were. And that was the, the, what Abraham walked in, that faith. You and I need to, you say, well, uh, I don't feel blessed. The blessings aren't in my life. Well, you need to call them in. You need to say over and over, I'm blessed with faithful Abraham. And his blessings will show up in your life. The blessing, which is, which is just God's blessings that he gave to Abraham, but you and I can walk in them too. Amen. In fact, let's just close with one scripture and we'll leave it after this. We've looked at this before too. But it's the following book. It's Ephesians chapter 1. And here's what it says. And this is all tied in with Abraham's blessing. It says this. Blessed be, verse 3 of chapter 1 of Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In other words, he's saying you're blessed with everything you would ever possibly need. And that is the blessing of Abraham shown up in our life. So let's expect it, let's believe it. Let's close just now, we'll pray uh, and, and ask the Lord uh, to, to really touch us in this area. Father, we just thank you for this word and we pray right now that the blessings of Abraham, those blessings that are all through your word, old covenant and new, that you provided for us in Christ. I just pray for everybody here, some of those blessings, lots of those blessings, start showing up in the lives of those who hear this message, Father. That they start to see blessings, Lord, family blessings, money blessings, 
health blessings, relationship blessings, Lord, favor blessings, that we'd start to be a people who understand your heart is to bless us. You are in the business, O God, of blessing us. And we are in the business, O Lord, of receiving it. And we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.